Hello and welcome to the Improve Fitness Podcast with me, Nikki Perry. Today's podcast is going to be something a little bit different because I've actually recorded one of my educational sessions. I run weekly for my uh, group coaching course called the Envision and Enhance program. It's an eight-week program where predominantly everyone on it is working on fat loss. And it's quite funny because when I was planning this program, now we are four weeks in, I wanted to do the education session on fat loss plateaus because it's quite common for people several weeks in to start noticing those initial kind of big fat loss gains uh, start to level out and can plateau and that can really kind of sometimes throw people mentally in regards to kind of what they're doing and, and their consistency with it and you might feel the same in regards to experience you've had but the ironic thing about it is actually I'm just finishing off most of my midpoint check-ins with them and realizing that actually no one's anywhere near a plateau yet, which is amazing. I'm so proud of every client that's on the program because they're still really making good inroads in regards to kind of the fat loss without any plateaus at all. However, it was planned to come out this week and so I still want it to come out this week and I thought it's actually quite important that if a plateau arises, people have already got the information to hand, but also listening to the plateaus education session even when they're making good progress can be really beneficial because then their mindset's already in the right place to understand what's happening if a plateau starts to begin because it's when a plateau happens which is when most people are likely to quit and you said you might know that from your own experience that as soon as you stop seeing results you feel like you failed you stop putting in the effort and then you can yo-yo right back out of that progress you've been making so by getting people's mindsets ready to deal with the plateau and understand that they do happen is crucial so i will not speak any further i will push play on the recording the only thing i will say is just a little note is that my clients that are on my coaching program have access to a powerpoint presentation alongside this educational session so i do apologize if i'm referencing a few graphs or diagrams in the presentation if you would like a copy of them i can send them across to you by pdf just drop me a message Otherwise, it should be a great listen for the next kind of 35 minutes of really kind of helping you understand why plateaus in your fat loss might be happening and what you can do to kind of fix it. Take care and let me know your thoughts. Hello and welcome to today's session that is going to be talking about how to overcome a fat loss plateau. So this is primarily targeted towards people that are on a fat loss journey. And they might be kind of only one or two weeks in, they might be one or two months in, they might be one or two years in. Now, a lot of the principles are going to be the same. I'm going to look at things from different angles in regards to why your fat loss might be slowing down or plateauing. And we will look at different options then in regards to how to progress forward with it. And this might be different for everyone. So the first thing to do is really to assess whether it is a plateau. So there's a few questions I want you to ask yourself and be honest with it so we can kind of figure out what angle we need to work with going forward. So the first thing is, if you use the scale weight, and I said not everyone will use the scales, but if you are kind of mainly basing your um, progress and your potential plateau on the scale weight, have the scales on average been the same for at least three weeks? So hopefully by now you understand the scale weight is probably going to fluctuate a bit um, due to kind of water retention, the type of food you've been eating, the time of day that you're probably measuring yourself on the scales. But if you're keeping everything as consistent as you can in regards to kind of your consumption of foods and drinks and the times of day you are weighing, 
Israel scale on average staying the same. So that kind of the lowest point weight that you've managed to get off the scales is that staying the same without any drop. So that's the first question. Um, if there has been any type of decrease over the last three weeks, okay, then you have actually been making some progress, okay? If you've magically got a two pound drop in the scales, but then it's come back up again, maybe a day later, you still existed two pounds lighter, okay? That wasn't a fake score. Um, so you are making progress, it just might be getting masked by everything. So if, it's, if you've been making any progress on the scales or a decrease, then you are not yet in a plateau. The next question, if you haven't seen any progress at all on the scales, the next question is, have you seen any change in your body measurements? So hopefully you are taking measurements using a tape measure of different kind of body parts, kind of your shoulders or your bust or your waist and your hips and maybe your thighs and your arms. Have those measurements also stayed the same for three weeks? If the answer is yes, they stayed the same, then maybe we are on a plateau. If you have seen some change to those, and it doesn't have to be every body part, it might just be your arms or just be your thighs, or it might be just one thigh. Um, if there has been a decrease on those measurements, and I would always suggest measuring in centimetres, not inches, because it's a smaller measurement, obviously, scale, and you're much more likely to pick up a decrease on centimetres and millimetre measurements than when you're just relying on an inch, because an inch is a lot. Um, we have seen any decrease in those measurements, then again, there is progress happening. It might be slow, but there is progress happening. Now, again, let's move on. Let's say there's no progress on the scales. There's no progress in regards to your measurements. Next question is, have you actually noticed any visual differences in how your clothes are fitting um, or how your body visually looks? So if you're taking progress photos, can you see a little bit of a difference? If you're wearing, let's say, a pair of jeans or a skirt, are you noticing the waistband is actually feeling a little bit looser? If you are, then you are making progress, okay? Not everything that happens in regards to fat loss is going to be shown on a scale where you're waiting for it to hit like a pound before you think you've increased or decreased, or you're waiting to hit a whole centimetre before you think you've increased or decreased. If there's any kind of change in regards to how things are fitting, then your body is changing its amount of body fat that it is holding. And I would still park that as being progress for now. Um, if there isn't, if that is plateaued as well, which might well happen, let's look at the next thing then. Because now we start looking into how we're going to deal with this. And the first question lies around, do you feel that your actions that you have been doing should have resulted in fat loss? Now that might seem a bit of a silly question to you and you might automatically say, well, yes, of course it should. But actually does it? Uh, if, your, if your fat loss has plateaued, let's say in the last three weeks, and before that it was coming down quite consistently, have you actually been doing the same actions as you were prior to three weeks ago? Are you as consistent with them as you were prior to three weeks ago? Or actually, when you reflect on it, have you started loosening off stuff a bit? Are you a little bit slack in regards to not always hitting your step count as much as you were are you kind of forgetting to track a few bits of your food or just consider some of the food choices you're making so you're not as hot on it? Because you need to have that question. Because if you feel like the actions you are doing should have resulted in fat loss, then we need to kind of dial down, dial in the dial down and go, okay, what's going on? And so why has the plateau happened? Maybe we need to go a little bit more extreme in regard to creating this calorie deficit to get your results coming back. If you, in an honest reflection, think that actually maybe you have things let things slip just the tiniest bit, 10% of the time, 
could that be the reason your plateau has happened, then the first thing we're going to do about trying to change anything is can you just get back to doing what you're doing? Now, you might straight away say, no, there's a mental or physical block that's actually now preventing you from doing what you're doing, which is, again, fine, we can deal with that. But before you try to push harder, more extreme, before you want to give up and think that nothing's working, let's kind of just refocus on what was working and see whether you can keep that going. And as I said, if there's a reason why you can't keep that going, then we need to create a new plan because it might be that it just wasn't fitting with your life, which is what a lot of diets kind of fail on because you're not actually making it work for you. But let's explore these things further. So before we go on, I'm just going to go very quickly over these um, basics just to make sure that right the way through this session, you understand what I mean. So back to basics, in regards to fat loss, hopefully by now you will know that we need to create a calorie deficit. So if you've got the presentation slides to hand, you'll see the three pictures and you'll see that obviously to actually lose body fat, you need to have more calories being burnt than you are eating or more calories being used than you are taking on, okay? It's all about this calorie balance. If your weight, and I say weight really interchangeably with body fat because they can be interchanged, even though they are very different. So, but if there is no progress in regards to how much you weigh, the size of your body, visually what your body looks like and how your clothes are feeling, and we are in a proper plateau, that means that we haven't got a deficit anymore. We are sitting at what we call balanced kind of maintenance weight where on average your calories that you're consuming are on average the same as your body is needing. So what that means is then your body doesn't need to go to its stored energy cells, which is your body fat, which is just sat stored energy. It doesn't need to go and nick it from there because it's got enough already going through the system. Okay, so that's for you to understand right from the start. The reason I say three weeks is a minimum for kind of deciding you're in a plateau because your body is not a robot. It's got very changing functions and even you fighting an illness can make your body hold on to a bit of body fat for the time being, or it can hold on a bit of extra water retention for the time being. And your body kind of changes its functions depending on kind of the stresses on your body. Now, sometimes people will find actually they'll hold on to quite a bit of body fat while they're ill because although they might be eating less, their body's kind of holding on to that body fat because it's part of its mechanism to get better. But then actually once you get over an illness, it can kind of fall off quite quickly. And so... There's lots of things that are going on quite complex in your body. Ladies with your hormones, exactly the same, that it can kind of hold on, hold on and then plummet. And I see that a lot with clients when they're weighing in every week. Quite often they'll have kind of two or three weeks and not a lot and then it will just drop and there'll be two or three weeks and not a lot and it will drop. So we need to make sure that we're not just on the edge of that big drop and you suddenly decide to go into a huge deficit added extra 500 calorie deficit unnecessarily when the results are literally coming the next kind of couple of days. Okay, so let's look at again as why is there a plateau in your progress? Now, if you're quite early on in your kind of journey for fat loss, this might be one of the reasons. And one of the reasons could be that we actually calculated where you need to be incorrectly at the start. So just to recap for those that either are coaching with me or maybe have used an online calculator or their Fitbit or my fitness pal to do this, is to start with we have calculated your total daily energy expenditure. So that's what we think your body's going to burn every day for calories. That number we then taken a deficit from, so most of the time it's around 500 calories off, to then create your target calorie range in regards to what we think you need to eat 
in regards to taking on calories to produce at on average one pound of body fat per week now some clients you might have slightly different numbers there but on average that's very roughly what we look at 500 calories off per day equals one pound of body fat on average per week loss now that starting number your total daily energy expenditure is purely calculated on your height your gender your age and then how much you class yourself as being active so from totally sedentary up to very active in your total daily energy expenditure as you might know if you've done the session one before there's lots of things that make it up there is your basal metabolic rate which is the amount of calories you burn when at rest so i often like to say if you woke up and didn't ever get out of bed for the rest of the day the amount of calories that your body burnt just sat there staring at the ceiling awake and asleep would be your bmr on top of that you've got your thermic effect of food so that's calories your body burns through digesting foods then you've got your non-exercise activity thermogenesis that's all the calories and energy you're burning through just moving twitching standing up sitting down carrying the shopping bags, standing to cooking the tea, throwing your kids in the air, any type of movement, that will obviously burn calories. And then the final section they add into this is the calories you burn through exercise. Um, now, between the non-exercise and the exercise thermogenesis, there's going to be a lot of crossover, but it's basically the stuff that your body's moving with. Okay, so that's our total daily energy expenditure. That calculation does not know who you are. It doesn't know your illnesses. It doesn't know your health conditions. It doesn't know uh, your previous diet history. It doesn't know any hormonal issues or things you might be dealing with. And all those things can play a massive impact into not only your BMR, your basal metabolic rate, but also then the amount of calories your body burns doing those other activities as well. The result of it being that your total daily energy expenditure, this TDEE, might actually vary up to 500 calories from the number that we calculated for you. So really hypothetically, let's say the calculator data told us that you are at 2000 calories a day as your TDEE, but you've made no progress. You've taken 500 calories off that. You've been eating consistently, strictly at 1500 calories that should be producing a pound of body fat weight of weight lost every week but the scales are not budging, nothing is budging. The reality is, is you weren't at 2,000 calories a day. You might have actually been at 1,500 calories a day. That is actually how many calories your body needs. And that can be very true for people that have a big yo-yo dieting history that might be dealing with um, some medical conditions that deal with, um, alter your hormones, um, or you've overcalculated how, how active you are. And this is something that's very common as well. So your BMI, your basal metabolic rate, might actually be fine. That might be the 1,000 calories that the calculator says it is. But if you identified yourself as being active or very active because you exercise a lot, but actually outside of exercising, you have a desk job and you drive to work and you don't really move outside of those exercise classes... You might class yourself as being active or very active because you think you do five exercise classes a week. But those five hours of exercise a week aren't undoing the hundreds of other hours that you're sat on your bum having quite a sedentary lifestyle. So instead of grading yourself as active or very active, you should probably be sedentary or lightly active, which then would have brought down your whole score to start with to maybe 15, 16, 1700 calories, not 2000. So again, that calorie deficit wasn't there.
That as well then, the other calculation mishap could be, I said, not only that you over-calculated how active you were, but also how many your body might just not burn as many calories during those, that activity as we assumed. So someone saying they're very active could be someone pushing themselves really hard, really fast and exercise. They're power walking up and down hills. Um, and it could be someone else. Let's say, hypothetically, I get a lot of people that are nurses. So a lot of nurses that might be on their feet the whole day. And it physically, they're stood up for a long time, but they might not actually physically exert themselves at a high level the whole time. So again, you can have someone that's very active, that's creating a high calorie burn because it is so taxing what they're doing either for leisure or for work. And you get someone that's very active because they're on the feet all day, but the actual exertion of energy that it takes to do that is a lot lower. So anyway, one or the other, we've started the, the marker too high in regards to your calories. The other thing that often is the reason that you're creating a plateau is let's say we've got that number right, technically, is actually the calories you're consuming that is meant to be 500 calories less per day than what we obviously, your top starting number, isn't actually 500 calories less. So that might be, and I say tracking errors, when I'm talking this, like, yes, this could be someone actually tracking all their calories and they are plugging it into the system and so they are taking account of everything that they're doing. But it also can be that kind of mindful eating tracking where actually you just forget things that you're putting in. But tracking areas in regards to it, you might be measuring things wrong, so it might be you're following a recipe and you're putting more food in or more ingredients in than you thought. It might be you kind of that spread of butter on your toast is actually twice the amount of butter than you actually thought you're putting in. That little drop of milk is actually bigger than you thought in your coffee. Um, it might be inputting areas, so if you are tracking through a device, um, my fitness pal or my coaching app, and when you're putting in the measurements of stuff you actually just it's a it's a typo error really you're choosing the wrong measurements so quite often i'll see it people default i don't know they let's say they ate some chips and they'll put in chips and there's the measurements of you can have it in grams or milliliters or ounces or a cup or whatever and they'll just choose like one cup not actually knowing what a cup is and actually it might need to be like 50 grams instead um so there can be that those errors made um, there can be whole foods and ingredients that are totally yet missed off tracking totally. So um, things like drinks, alcohol, that kind of picking at your kids' leftovers before you put it in the bin, having the odd sweet here, having the odd chocolate there. Those things might not get taken into account. Um, I've put knowingly over-consuming. So sometimes people are in denial about that, but sometimes there is like a... Sometimes it's like... I'm going to just overeat because I feel out of control anyway. So I'm just going to have it. But my brain's not really going to think about it. And that's very common. I quite often get a lot of clients, especially when they start off, they can't even really recall that, what they've eaten that day because their brain kind of tries to dissociate themselves from it. So as I said, that type of overconsumption might actually be happening. Um, and there might be the other thing that's causing issues in regards to your calories in totals is that there's a few big occasions or big meals or big nights out on the drink that are kind of undoing a lot of the progress you're making. So you might be eating on target every day for a week, 10 days, but there might just be this one day that we've gone really high on calories and that's actually meant that when we even it out, you're not getting the calorie deficit that you thought. Now, as a one-off, that might be fine, but if there's always every week or two weeks a big event that's a lot higher on calories, you're going to be consistently in this thing where you think you're eating no calories, but on average, you're actually eating a lot higher. 
So let's just delve into this um, a little bit further. So I said a lot of the stuff I've touched on. So again, if you're looking through the presentation, you'll find um, the graphs that show this. Is the first thing is your the impact your BMR can have. So as I said before, your BMR, your basal meta metabolic rate, might be sitting a lot lower than what you thought, which is then is bringing your whole total of your total daily energy expenditure down. Um, and as said, so the way that we need to fix that really is by trying to increase some of these numbers back up. So you get back to that starting point that we want you to be at. Now, how can we fix things in regards to getting your energy out, your total daily energy expenditure up? Now, your BMI, your basal metabolic rate, as I said, it is the one that probably takes at least 50% of your calories per day. But unfortunately, you can't do a lot to help it in the short term okay so the things that are going to make that better is increased muscle mass so the more muscle your body has the higher your bmr is going to be better sleep better stress now better sleep better stress go hand in hand or better stress less stress should i say um but they're also you can't just switch a button on you can't just suddenly switch a button on to sleep better you can't just switch a button on to not be stressed but you can implement actions and behaviors that are going to help are you actually giving yourself chance to do seven eight hours sleep at night or are you physically actually wanting to go into the bedroom until five hours before you need to get waking back up so make sure you're giving yourself the best opportunity that the best sleep into you and have a lot of actions and options in place to relieve your stress as much as possible because that is really going to help your bmr obviously you can't really help your height you can't help your age you can't help your gender um there's a lot of stuff you can't help if you have got underlying health conditions, making sure that you're on the right medication or treatment for that is going to help. I said these are things that could happen in the medium term to long term rather than kind of short term overnight. Uh, thermic effect of food, as I said, it does take up about 10 to 15 percent of your calories per day. You can increase that. It's not going to be a massive increase, but by making different food choices can improve it. And we'll touch on that one later. You can increase your calories that you're burning through your non-exercise activity quite considerably so that is going to be like the large majority of your day so let's say you're awake for 14 hours a day even if you go to the gym exercise class that's one hour so let's say one hour's exercise the other 13 hours a day that you're moving around is calories that you could be burning for neat you can choose how you use those 13 hours in regards to how much you're moving within them as well and of course you can also increase the amount of calories you're burning through exercise but we're not going to advise you to be exercising every day. So this isn't going to be something that's going to impact your total daily energy expenditure every day. But it is something that could increase it uh, on average kind of three or four times a week. So on average, you might instead of getting 300 calories extra per exercise session, it might be 100 to 150 per day if you evened it out as well. Um, and then as you can see on the graph, if you are watching through the presentations, that you can see that, that considerably can increase the calories you burn per day. I said, so what we're trying to do is get this deficit bigger. We need to get your calories in and your calories out away from each other, not at the same number. Just touching very briefly on this non-exercise and exercise thermogenesis, thermogenesis and which is best to kind of do and prioritise. Um, touch on the fact that I said the majority of your hours every day are going to not be in the exercise situation. They are going to be doing non-exercise movement. That is where I put your number one time and attention. So absolute minimum requirements, I would say, is to be trying to aim for at least 7,000 steps a day. That doesn't mean 7,000 steps out on the pavement, 
that could be you actively just going about your day-to-day -day job. So try and hit 7,000 steps a day. After that, yes, try and make sure you are getting a good couple of workouts the week in. Try to make sure they're strength-based so we can get more muscle coming onto that body that's going to help. Um, you can then add an additional cardio session if you want to, just to help with a bit of a calorie burn. If you're doing your exercise and you're doing at least 7,000 steps a day and you've got some more time and effort you can dedicate, let's try and get that step count higher. Again, try and get more movement in. Now, I'd hope most of your 7,000 steps a day, you can get just being more active in your day-to-day -day life in regards to kind of playing with the kids or doing the housework or just taking the stairs, not the lift, parking a little bit further away from the shops, etc. To get it up to 10,000 steps, you probably are going to need to think about going for an actual, like a physical walk. So I'm going out for half an hour to go for a walk. That's going to get your steps up a little bit more. And as I said, priority after that, I would then say is increasing your workouts. Um, but those last two can be interchangeable. So if you absolutely hate going for walks, um, but you love going to the gym or you go to an exercise class, you could increase your extra workouts and keep your steps down at about 7,000 or you can interchange them, which is what I kind of prefer to do myself. Um, there is no right and wrong. I would just say your habits and behaviours that you do in your non-exercise activity will keep your fat loss ticking along nicely now and in the long term forever. If you rely on exercise to be your way you're going to create this calorie deficit, then if you miss an exercise session, there's going to be a problem. If you get injured, there's going to be a problem. If priorities in life suddenly mean that you can't get to the gym at the time that you used to, there's going to be a problem. But if you're getting your calories mainly burned through your non-exercise activity, through just lifestyle habit changes in that world, then they're going to be a lot more sustainable in the long term. Okay, let's move on then. So that was kind of trying to fix things from a calories out perspective, to try and get as many calories getting burned as possible. Um, this is now looking at your calories in perspective. So, so we need to check, first off, that you are consistently being in the deficit. So as I touched on earlier... There might be a few big occasions every week, every two weeks, maybe every three weeks that are throwing your progress off across the whole period. And they might not be that obvious half the time because if they involve alcohol, you probably can't even remember them, <laughs> okay? But are there some big ticket items that are really throwing you off target? Again, if you're looking at the presentation, there's a graph on there that shows a couple of big nights out in regards to drinking and eating can then mean that across the whole week, you're suddenly actually in a calorie surplus rather than a deficit. And that would also really impact your progress. So this isn't me saying you can't go out for dinner. This isn't me saying you can't go for drinks. But it's me saying that your body's not going to hide that, okay? Your body is an average of the actions and the behaviours that it does. So if you are constantly adding in big ticket events in regards to calories, your body is going to be the average of those results. So be honest to yourself. Consider are there some big occasions that are throwing your progress Maybe that's why you suddenly hit a plateau because suddenly you're going out for more dinners. You've been saying yes to more kind of visits to the pub. You've been saying yes to more cake or whatever it might be. Is that the reason why you suddenly slowed? Um, when we're looking at calories in, we are going to have to take a bit of a refocus on making sure we're very aware of what we're eating. And I said this might just be through portion controlling. It might be through actually tracking the calories into an app. But make sure you're taking into account all your liquid calories, so anything you're drinking, any milk, any cream that you're putting into coffees, any squashes, any fizzy drinks, any orange juices, apple juices, alcohol, all of that stuff can be the reason that you're not losing the weight you think you are. You might be eating beautifully at your deficit numbers in regards to your, your food intake, 
but your plateau is actually coming because you're missing out even thinking about the fact that you're consuming through drink four or five hundred calories a day and that's very very feasible if you have something that's not water for every drink of the day um make sure you're considering all the calories that you might be adding into foods like sauces and oils and butters because they will all mount up so i would try to get into a habit of even using like a spray oil or um, dry fry and stuff or if you are going to be using an oil or butter that you're measuring it out so you actually know how much you're putting in because if you are tracking your calories to try and create this deficit in a very kind of more structured way they need to be considered and if you're trying to do it in a more um kind of holistic way where you're just kind of being more cautious about what food you're putting in you need to have that awareness be very aware of your snacking and grazing habits so have you started just picking up those little bits of food that were on your kids plate um have you started picking up bits of the cake that might be coming back into the office especially this time of the year when it's getting colder and more autonomous seems to be the time that kind of those heavier carbohydrate based foods and sweet treats start making their way back into people's diets so just first of all have an awareness and secondly if you're going to have them own that decision and know that that is calories you're consuming that you might then need to not have elsewhere um, or have the awareness that you actually positively say no to them knowing they don't fit your goals and i said make sure that you are taking into account any big ticket items in regards to meals out dinners out big cakes any of that stuff okay next up if we are, if you're kind of sat and think, well, actually, no, I'm eating really well. Everything, like, I've started to, imp- like, everything's hit my calorie deficit. I'm tracking everything. I know everything's well. Then we're going to start looking at, okay, what types of food are you eating and how we can optimise them? Now, this is delving in a bit deeper in regards to kind of how calories work. Because for fat loss, it is, on paper, top level, a simple equation of calories in versus calories out. But there is a big argument and it's totally true argument that not all calories are the same and understanding that is important okay so a calorie for to explain is just the amount of energy that's taken to bring the temperature of water up by one degree now obviously that's all done in a laboratory but different foods will take a different amount of energy to burn and to create this temperature increase in water depending on the type of food depends on how quickly it will do that so if you've got a food that's totally unprocessed it generally has a bit of kind of a shell around it which has to be broken down first part of this burning process when they're calculating calories before it'll burn and then heat the water up if it's not if it is sorry get my words out if it's a processed type of food but actually it's already been broken down, it can get it up to temperature really quickly. It would then increase the water temperature very quickly. So although you can have two foods quite similar, how they break down and how much energy you get released is very different. Now, I've created a little analogy here, which go with me. Hopefully it's going to make sense, okay? So I'm going to use an example of a train and I'm going to use an example of a passenger train with 100 people on. And I'm probably doing this because my son is obsessed with playing trains. So I'm constantly playing trains. So let's say we've got a train with 100 passengers on. It pulls up into the station, which is your digestive system, if you want to stay with me on this lovely metaphor. Okay. And the doors open and all the passengers get off. They all get off into the carriageway. Apart from maybe one or two that have fallen asleep, that weren't really aware of where they were, that might be a bit big and got stuck in their seat. 
95% of those passengers are going to get straight off of the digestive system or station. And a minute later, boom, the train's pulling out the station. So that's my first example. Now, let's imagine the same train with another 100 passengers on it. But this time, when we get to the station, only a quarter of the trains, sorry, a quarter of the doors are locked. Okay, some of the carriage doors are locked in between the trains, some of the doors that are going outside are locked as well. Suddenly, that same 90 seconds that, that train's in that station, passengers are scrambling to get off, they're getting stuck, they're putting a lot of effort in, sometimes they're getting put too much effort in that they're then exhausted and they can't walk. And suddenly, that train can pull away from the station, and actually, only 70 of those passengers have got off rather than all 100. Okay, same train, same 100 people. But now there was a barrier to them getting off because it slowed them down. They run out of time and the trains moved on. That is the difference, hopefully, <laughs> if my analogy made sense, of a digested, uh, I get my words out, of a processed food and an unprocessed food. Okay, unprocessed foods, lots of the doors are locked. They're hard to break down. It's slower to get through them. Not all the passengers and which in this case, I mean the energy, the calories that are in that food, not all the calories can get out into that digestive system before the train, the food's going to keep passing through you. If it's unprocessed and you're pulling into the train station and all the doors are already open, those passengers, the calories can just get straight off into the digestive system. If they're in the digestive system and they're going into the blood flow, you've now got circulating energy in your body. Now, depending on what type of food it is, it's going to circulate differently but you've got free-flowing calories in your body that, if not used, are going to get stored in your fat cells. So when we're looking at creating a calorie deficit, we're not just looking at the amount of calories you're taking in in regards to putting into your mouth. We're actually looking at the amount of calories that, when it goes through your body, are actually getting taken in by your body and how many of them you're kind of getting passed through. Because that is going to then mean a big difference in regards to that calorie deficit. So let's just explore that slightly more. So I've touched on this in previous sessions. So how many calories in each food are metabolized? They're broken down into energy, that means. Varies, depending on whether it's fiber, protein, carbohydrates, fats, or alcohols. Again, there's a graph in the presentation if you're watching it. Uh, but the kind of big ticket things to know is that fiber, about 25% of the, the um, calories kind of won't get absorbed at all. Uh, protein is about 20 to 30 percent and then a lot less is fat and a lot less is carbohydrate and a lot less is alcohol so when we're looking at food choices to make in regards to what's most optimal protein and fiber are always going to sit at the top they've got the highest thermic effect of food and they also have a lot of other benefits so fiber if we go back to this train analogy there's two wonderful things one it basically as i would like to say on this train it takes up seats even though it's got no intention of getting off so it's going to stop at that, that station and it's got no intention of getting off at the station. It's just here for the ride. It's just coming through that station and it's happy to get off the other end. Okay, so the fibre is just taking up valuable seats. So you've eaten calories, you've eaten passengers that are sitting on that train. They're never going to get off. So they're kind of calories that your body is never going to consume, which is really good. Um, and the other thing you can do is fibre can speed the train up. And my little analogy twist on this is if there's less passengers to get off to start with, the station, the train's going to move on quicker. So it might actually only stay in the station for a minute instead of a minute and a half. Keeps everything flowing really nicely, okay? Which is why you want to keep fibre in the diet. Hopefully that made sense as an analogy. Um, 
And there's some research came out um, that I was listening to the other day and it just summarises it really well. So they're looking at the difference of processed food versus unprocessed food and how your body digests it. And when we are looking at the processed food, all they did was look at almonds in a whole format and almonds ground. So we're not talking about something that's full of loads of um, chemicals. We're just talking about the same nut, just broken down into that like dusty form. And if you want to know the intricacies of how it worked, they basically looked at people's stool samples to see how many calories were still in their stool samples. Because if it's in your stool sample, it hasn't been ingested. And what they found is when eating whole almonds, about 25% of the calories came back out in the stool, which meant only 75 of them were actually getting ingested and turned into usable energy in your body. When they looked at the same amount of calories being consumed in regards to ground almonds, only 5% was coming out of the stools. So that means 95% of the calories were getting ingested. And that just shows how it's exactly the same ingredient with exactly the same calories. So if you bought the two things in two separate packets in the shop, they're going to say the same amount of calories on them. But how your body processes them and how many of those calories it takes on are very different. Now, if you multitude that out into your whole diet and how much food you're eating in a very unprocessed format, you need to break it down yourself through chewing, absorption through that bulkiness in your stomach compared to something that's basically ground up powder that's going to be a big impact now if you go to something very ultra processed where all the ingredients are powders basically to start with just combined to make it look like a food then think about how quickly that's going to get digested how quickly your body's going to extract the energy and put that free flowing energy in your body which i said could turn into body fat so there's a little checklist here for the presentation on when you're looking at food in regards to what to uh, think about. So as I said, if you're a customer of mine, read the presentation. If you're not a customer of mine, but you'd like to have this, just give me a shout. I'll send it through to you. But the top, top things are going to be get protein into your diet, get fiber into your diet. And then we kind of want that at every meal. Choose unprocessed, overprocessed, and then it's got a lot of eating habits and behaviors that are going to help you stay fuller for longer so you don't overconsume. Okay. Next up, we're just going to touch on very quickly here is fixing this um, plateau in your fat loss through your mindset. Okay, so a lot of the time it's your brain getting in the way of the actions. Now, the bigger and the harder you make a diet, the less likely you're going to sustain it. Okay, so if you've created all your previous fat loss by going really hard and really fast and sacrificing all the things that you really enjoy, it's no doubt that you've now hit a plateau. On the other hand, if you've been going really slow and steady and just making small little behavioural changes, then actually it's a lot easier to fix this because it's less of a change that you're going to have to make. But choices that you can do here, you can go hard and fast. So mindset wise, this depends on you as a person, what works best. You can what would you call double down and you can push harder and you create a bigger deficit. Okay, so obviously if you're in a plateau, your deficit is basically gone at the moment. You can go bigger and harder on that deficit. Um, sometimes people find getting a big noticeable change again on the scales, on the measurements, gives them that surge of energy they need to keep them going and the motivation to keep going. You could be someone different, actually needs to just adopt some patience and just adopt kind of consistency and just wait for those results to come and trust the process. They might be slow results, but as soon as results start to come, that again can motivate you. It might be that actually you're just exhausted from the dieting phase mentally from having to think about everything you're doing 
and physically because it might be you've kind of been having to go above and beyond um, to get your kind of movement steps in and stuff. So it might be you just want to take a pause on fat loss and actually think about just maintaining your current body weight. And maintaining can be quite difficult for people if they were used to eat a lot higher calories and were maybe putting on weight before they come to the dieting stage. So um, it says think about staying at maintenance so you're not trying to push for a diet or just trying to stay where you are. And the last one, which I really like to encourage people on, is to change your focus on your goals. So you might want to, instead of thinking about fat loss as your prime motivator, you can actually change it to performance-based goals. So you want to get stronger, you want to get fitter, have some measurable targets. Might be that you want to improve your running speed. Um, it might be you want to improve the length of distance you can run. Whatever it might be, if you change your focus onto that, a lot of the actions are still the same. You're still going to want to eat all those really nutritious unprocessed foods because they're going to give your body the fuel that it needs to get through the session and it's going to give you the tools and the energy it needs to recover from them. You are still going to want to be exercising. You're still going to want to be moving because it's all going to help your goal. But what's not going to be happening is your brain's not going to constantly be judging yourself on fat loss. It's going to be judging yourself on you working towards your performance. So I'm just going to recap here. Um, so I said, when it comes to mindset, just remember the biggest thing that's getting in the way of you progressing is you, okay? How you deal with situations. Are you really neg negatively reacting to situations that are happening to you? Or are you really positively responding to them and finding that can-do attitude and your ways around working with stuff? Are you relying on motivation to try and get you through this fat loss phase? Or is there discipline getting shown every day? Are you focusing on your eating habits and your movement habits in the same way that you would do with your work and your sleep and your, and your kind of commitments maybe to friends or to family? Have you put it high enough as a priority? Are you starting to try and reframe situations to positively work for you? So instead of seeing reasons why you can't do something or something's not working, are you reframing that and finding actually I can do something? Recording in progress. So, I said, reframing stuff is going to be really helpful because, as I said, when it comes down to mindset, it's really about what angle you come at things from. Are you being the victim and always finding a reason why you can't do something? Or are you being that person that finds the positive way to change everything? Now, no journey is going to be perfect, and I need you to remember that, and I want you to remind yourself of that regularly. A plateau does not mean you have failed. That means that maybe your things that you're doing, you've been progressing really well and your body has just adapted and now it's time for you to adapt again, okay? So looking at stuff from the bigger picture, looking at stuff from a positive angle on how you're gonna work with your body and with what's happening to still continue with the outcome that you want. Have confidence in yourself that you can do it, okay? So confidence is going to be often the thing that makes or breaks you if you go into any situation already believing that you're going to fail at it or you're not going to succeed at it you are likely to fail at it and not succeed at it if you go into things wanting stuff enough that you have you build that confidence which can feel like pretending to start with but pretend to have that confidence that you believe you can do it and over time you will start proving to yourself that you can do it through all these little steps that you take, all these little wins that you gave, gives you confidence. Even, let's say, for example, let's say you have 
had a plateau for the last three weeks. Let's say there has been no fat loss. Now you might take that as a failure. I take that as progress because if you have quite a yo-yoing dieting history, to manage to plateau for three weeks is actually amazing because instead of going from big weight loss to big weight gain, you've gone from big weight loss to just sitting level. And sitting level is not where you used to be. You're, you're not doing your old self that used to yo-yo and put all the weight back on by suddenly quitting all the habits and behaviours that they were doing and defaulting back to kind of that mentality, well, I ruined it, so I might as well eat everything in sight. If you have plateaued, that is the most amazing progress. And applaud yourself on that and realise, actually, we're on a nice level playing field here for me to go again if I want to. So... Let's assume your mindset is in the right place or you're going to work on your mindset to get in the right place. Let's come at this now with a decision, okay, which approach are you going to take? Are you doubling down? Are you going harder? Are you pushing more? Now, by that, I don't mean going into a crazy calorie deficit, but I do mean you're going to actively try and consume a couple hundred calories less a day to try and see where we can get these scales moving. Or are you just going to start ticking some boxes again on consistency and see that progress starts to come and just accept it is going to be slower, but slow downward progress. So slow downward progress on, from the scales perspective, where the weight's obviously dropping or the measurements are dropping, um, is still going to be really good progress and something you're going to sustain. So make those choices and then let's look at some practical things that you can do. Okay? Because now you hopefully got the knowledge and understanding to know why you've had a plateau. And now we're going to look at kind of pragmatic things that you can do. Now the main thing we're going to want to do is get some consistency back into what you're doing, okay? And I would say let's focus to try and make sure we're getting the numbers right so we're understanding where your body is in regards to a calorie deficit, is I would plan ahead. I would look at the next week and I'd create a meal plan. Now, I said anyone that's one of my clients, I've already done an education session on this. Um, if you're not and you're listening and you want uh, the help, just send me a message and I'll pop over to you. Um, but create a meal plan. On that meal plan, calculate your calories across each day, across the week. Take into account that you want to get um, protein and as much fiber into every meal. And you're going to total off each day to make sure you're hitting your targets and you're hitting your protein. Allow yourself capacity within that to have a few drinks or, or snacks, whatever it is. So you're kind of covering all bases. Then what I want you to do is eat like that for the next two or three weeks. Now, that on paper might seem quite boring, but you can have variety. So you can have a slightly different meal plan from week A to week B. It might be the exact same meal plan, but actually within that week, you have variety. Some people prefer to eat the same breakfast for seven days a week. Some people want the same breakfast only on two days a week. Same with lunches. All I'll say is narrow down your options for now. This is just the kickstart, okay? So narrow it down so that you've got more control, so there's less confusion, there's less things to think about. And then plan in to your diary how you're going to get your non-exercise and your exercise activity both up. So there might be planning in when you're going to go for a walk. It might be planning an extra time to your diary to get to work because you know that actually you are going to park half a mile away and you're going to walk the last half a mile. It might be you know you're going to get off the train or station early to walk further. Give yourself a buffer of time that you can do something activity-wise above and beyond what you normally do. 
Maybe allow yourself an exercise session here or there as well, but get them into your diary, okay? And then we're going to do those things as per your plan or as close to your plan as possible for two to three weeks. And mentally, if you know there's a time cap on this, you're way more likely to stick to it. If I said you've got a meal plan and planning every single exercise and every single walk into your diary forever, you are not going to do it even immediately because it seems too big a thing. But this is basically to test where your calorie deficit is. So then in another three weeks time, which is stage two, we're going to evaluate what's happened. If you've started to lose fat, you can be confident to know that what you've done has been working. You have managed to find a calorie deficit. The number of calories you're consuming against the number of calories you are expending works. So then it's going to be a case of making sure you can somehow do that sustainably and consistently over a longer time with different meal plans, with different schedules, but you know your body is not kind of magically holding onto body fat. It will lose it. It just needs the right thing kind of chatted it. Um, so let's say through extended line, you've done that consistently and there's still no progress. Now we need to create a bigger deficit. Okay, so prior to this, I'm kind of saying do a calorie plan, a meal plan based on the existing numbers you had. If you know that consistency was probably your issue. Now, if you've been consistent for three weeks and you're still not making progress, then yes, we need to make a bigger calorie deficit. And we're going to do that by two things. One or the other or both. You can increase your non-exercise activity and your exercise activity thermogenesis. Now, I would start by going for 2,000 extra steps a day. So that might be you going for an extra 10-minute walk, 15-minute walk, somewhere in your day. Okay, could be at work could be while the kids are playing, could be you walking around the garden, could you just be stood up on your house, so you just tell yourself, do you know what, I'm not going to sit down for the next half an hour, and you will find jobs to do, and you will move toys around and tidy up, or whatever it is, just get 2,000 steps an extra day, or, and, add an extra workout, okay, I prefer the 2,000 steps a day as your number one target, because that's probably going to be adding 100 calories maybe per day, extra on top of your calorie burn, one workout extra a week, if we spread it across the whole every day, you might be talking 50 calories. It's not a lot if we spread it out across our week. Um, and then the other thing we need to then do, potentially, is reduce your calories, okay? So reduce them down by 100 and maybe 200 calories off the number you've been aiming for. With the caveat that I really wouldn't recommend going lower than 1,300 calories because it's going to be hard. Now, yes, if you eat loads of unprocessed foods, you don't have lots of sugary snacks, you drink only water, so you're not getting any calories in free water, it's going to be more achievable. But you've got to be realistic with yourself. With 1,300 calories, it's miles off what you used to eat. It might not be sustainable, okay? So try not go any lower than 1,300 calories, and that's really for kind of the smaller, more petite lady. Um, anyone else probably could take higher calories than that anyway. So we're going to increase the calories out, we're going to decrease the calories down. Now within that, there probably is going to be a bit of room for error, okay? So your calories out calculation might not be as high as you were aiming for because tracking devices tell you burnt more calories than you actually have, but that doesn't matter. We're going to increase that in the same way that even if we don't totally eat at 1300 calories or whatever our new deficit is, if you're eating less than you were before, we're still creating a deficit, even if the numbers aren't exactly true. That should get you some fat loss, okay? If after two, three weeks of doing that, 
you then are still not receiving any or gaining any fat loss, then you're going to have to come and properly, I say, reach out to me. And for those that work with me, I'm also, I'm going to be there every step of the way, but there's something bigger that we're not seeing. Okay. Now that might be a health condition that's coming on. Obviously, I'm not going to diagnose a health condition for you, but I probably will be signposting you to your GP because I have had before that people have suddenly, I don't know, developed a thyroid problem and that has really decreased their BMR and it has obviously thrown their fat loss plans out the window in the meantime because their calorie deficit was kind of nowhere near where we thought it would be. But we would unpick if there's anything we're missing to why you were getting a fat loss and now you're not. Um, but we'd work on it independently. But for 99% of the people, if you first work consistently for consistency for two or three weeks by planning everything you're eating ahead of time, even if you know you're going out for meals, plan them in so you know you've allocated 2,000 calories for that, that meal on Saturday because you know what it's going to be. Plan it all in, follow it, create a structure in regards to your exercise and non-exercise activities so you can increase that and keep it consistent for three weeks. Then after that said, reevaluate if you need to go higher on the calorie burns, you can. If you need to go lower on the calories you're eating, you can. All in the mindset of knowing that fat loss goals are really good if that's what you want, but they are not the answer to all your problems. And I'd like to always caveat everything with this because I think it's really important for me to say that your happiness and yourself and your self-worth are not just sat there at the end of the rainbow where your fat loss is, okay? And sometimes the reason you might be hitting a plateau is because you're subconsciously realising that. Because some people think that their motivation to achieve fat loss is going to increase as they go on that journey because they start feeling happier and more confident and more outgoing. But actually the opposite happens. They don't feel any different about their body. So actually the motivation to keep plugging away at achieving that goal can sometimes become less rather than more. So understanding that you can work on these things independently of each other, I think is really important. And understanding that you are not your fat loss, that is not what um, determines your self-worth, is really important. If you want fat loss, I'm here as a coach to support you through fat loss. And I'm here as a coach to help you get all that self-confidence that a lot of you want from fat loss, but not necessarily to get that. Uh, for those that are watching on the presentation, there are several more slides coming up that I've got checklists in regards to all the things you can do to increase your non-exercise activity and your exercise activity, both at home, in day-to-day -day life and at work, and lots more tips in regards to how to increase your calories through exercise, not necessarily chasing the, the calorie burn, but trying to make sure that are consistent with getting your exercise sessions in and getting the most out of them as well. So lots more information for you all there if you've got the PowerPoint, as I said. Otherwise, thank you for listening and I hope that's going to help you on your plateau. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's podcast with me. I hope you found it really interesting with lots of take-home messages and knowledge to implement into your own journey so you can reach your own goals successfully. If you'd like any extra support, just please drop me a message or visit my webpage, improvefitness.co.uk. 
to check out the full range of services I offer. I will have a new eight-week coaching program starting in the new year, so please feel free to drop me a message now if you want to secure a space on that one. Our focus is all around fat loss and the behavioural and lifestyle changes to implement to help you not only receive your fat loss, but also implement it and sustain it for the long term. Outside of the fat loss coaching, I also do in-person person training and a wide range of classes helping local people in the East Devon area get fitter and stronger in a really enjoyable, fun environment as well. So if you have any questions, drop me a message, visit my website, and I hope to work with you soon.